0: The Krinkler Show.
1: This show is brought to you by Bing Pot Trivia. How many times have you been to a trivia night where it just felt like somebody reading questions? Well, Bing Pot Trivia prides themselves on bringing high-energy, dynamic hosts to every event. The show leans heavily on visual elements. Their questions are designed to make you laugh or roll your eyes, while also challenging your knowledge on pop culture, high school science, culinary arts, and everything in between. Their typical show runs five rounds including a photo round, general knowledge on pop culture, riffs on different game shows, absurd 50-50 questions, and a super sweet music round. Check out BingPotTrivia.com today to book your trivia night. Again, that is BingPotTrivia.com. Tell my boy Danny that your friend Quinn sent you. All right, let's get on with the show. My next guest is a Juno-nominated artist. From releasing the song in the summer to performing in front of Gene Simmons to taking a 10-year hiatus, you can say they've done it all. But, most importantly, creating the song that became the anthem of my grade 7 school year. It's a pleasure to welcome to the Quinmar Show, lead singer of Stereos, Patrick Cordyback. Pat, what's going on?
0: What's going on, man? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for uh, coming on. Uh, So, yeah, just to get into it, obviously band stereos and i just mentioned it it, you you guys have basically i've grown up with you guys as like the big band especially being from canada so it's it's really cool to be able to talk to you uh so just to like kind of start off um i know you guys started in about 2006 is when you first started the band Yeah, yeah okay so um before that like music growing
0: up and like as a kid like what was what kind of role did that play for you I would say, yeah, like, good question. I think music was probably pretty similar in my life up until the age of 13 or 14 as it is for most people. I loved music always, but I don't think it ever, I was ever obsessive about it or definitely never even considered it as something I would do. Um, but I do, like, I, I've told the story before, but my mom actually will tell stories of how I would listen to songs on the radio as a very young kid and start humming my own melodies over existing songs and being like, what are you singing? And just being like, I don't even know, but that's what I hear. And so I think that kind of is a precursor to what ended up being, you know, my passion was songwriting and melody writing especially, but um, I don't think I was ever, you know, exceptionally into music until around the age of 14. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's really cool. Okay. So um, obviously the uh, stereos is you, Miles, Robert, Daniel,
0: and Aaron. So Daniel's uh, no longer with us. He's one right. of our best, best friends in the world. Uh, okay. in fact, just teched our latest show um, and tour managed it, but uh, he's not in the band. Okay.
1: Anymore. So, th- but originally it was you guys.
0: Yes. Correct. Okay.
1: Yeah. okay. So yeah. And then we said it was about 2006. So were you guys like all buddies like growing up?
0: No, not at all. Oh. So, like even in 2006, man, it was just Rob, Dan and myself. We didn't really have a band yet. We just kind of had an idea. Mm. And so we would literally just hang out. Rob and I would watch the Oilers cup run that was happening at that time. And Dan hated it because he's not a hockey fan and he wanted to get work done and like start like working on songs and stuff. And we would be so distracted um, for an entire summer. Um, But yeah, it was more just like literally. And I honestly, to this day, think it was just as important as writing songs. We would just like brainstorm. And I remember Dan would call me on his way home from or no he would be working a night shift and i'd be coming home from my girlfriend's home like place at night and we would just talk for hours man i would pull over on the drive home just to talk about like man what if we all like only wore black or what if we only like you know what if we all got like as tattooed as possible and we played these pop songs and it was just like hashing out what honestly ended up being the idea for Stereos in those days and it wasn't until later that miles came along and then Aaron we didn't uh, meet actually until we already moved out to Toronto
1: Oh, okay, that's sweet. So, um, before uh, you guys went on disband, yeah. uh, you you guys were under the name Stand By Me. Where did that name come from?
0: Hey, man. So the oh, it's kind I'm of assuming old. the movie. Yeah, the movie and the song. So oh, okay. because the way we started transitioning into writing pop songs as this like pop punk band was our mutual love for like 50s and 60s Motown. Oh, that's cool. Um, and once I started kind of like dissecting those songs, I realized how um, not easy it is to write songs because it's not. But how chord progressions, simple chord progressions, as a backdrop for very very catchy catchy vocal melodies was the way to go. And so we had this almost like '50s influenced sound, like especially with a lot of our like early songs. And so that kind of made its way into "Summer Girl," which is not '50s at all, but the chorus "Doop doop." Was a way of me trying to keep that 50s flavor that was every other song into this new sound I was kind of working on at the time. So, long way of answering your question, but Stand By Me was inspired by both the movie and the song, and how this whole like 50s nostalgia thing played really heavily into the early days of what stereos became
1: for sure. That's sweet. So, um, I I was doing some research on it, but can you just kind of give give the listeners a like description of the show Disband?
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. So a lot of people think we won this show, which is actually not the case. A bunch of different bands were given this like week in the music industry where you uh, go on much music. You have a guru who's Greg Norrie, very accomplished, awesome guy. He kind of discovered some 41, his own band, uh, Trouble Charger did really well as like as well and he kind of you know he hears your songs he chooses like which ones are good which ones are bad helps you work on them you record a song you do a photo shoot and then at the end you have a performance for a panel of judges and they tell you whether or not you're good or not and so we were one of many bands to just get this thumbs up yeah you guys are good but from there um, they realized that they had something special with us and they decided we were i think the third band to shoot this tv show Uh and yeah like we were not like we were one of the first yeah but right away after our performance we got the thumbs up just like a bunch of other bands they're like listen these labels i want to meet with you guys like there's something serious going on here like stay in toronto for a while and so then they saved our episode which was shot in the fall of 2008 and it didn't air until may of 2009 as the season finale because that whole those like i'm not a math guy but i don't know man like seven eight months that went by Um, they had us like working on stuff and like getting, you know, stuff in the works to have this crazy, you know, finale of the, uh, of the, of the show. Yeah. So before
1: I'm going to get into like the rest of the show, but, um, how did you guys get, get on the show to begin with? Like, how does that work?
0: Hey man, it is, it's such a funny anecdote with how music, the music industry truly works. And it was nothing more than, a guy who worked with Greg Nori, he was like kind of his right hand man. He's a sick dude. His name was Matt Brand. He was actually Avril Lavigne's drummer. Oh, they no were way. Management company. And they were honestly just hitting MySpace, finding bands. And they were actually checking out a different band that played with us. And so they went to our profile and they're like, oh, this band's kind of cool. And I don't even know what songs we would have had on our MySpace, man. They wouldn't have been that good. But we started this conversation where we we're trying to find a way for Greg Nori to produce our band, get out to Toronto and produce it. And so for months we were sending him songs with like no real way of knowing how we were going to work with this guy. Like, you know, it costs money. And then he called us one day. I remember him so well, dude. Um, he called us up one day. I missed the call cause we were all playing football like in the backyard. And I listened to my voicemail and he says, I've just been approached to like host this like much music show with unsigned bands. We finally found our way to kind of get you guys involved. And it wasn't even a slam dunk yet, man. Like it was, then they called us back and they like, listen, none of the other bands are from outside Ontario. Like they don't have a budget for the bands. Like we have nowhere to, for you guys to stay. And I was like, man, say less. Like, we have been sleeping in our van in Walmart parking lots for 10 years now. Like we got it. If you let what's, us that- what's another few months? That's we'll so sick. Anything it takes, man, to get on. And I remember saying to the band at that time, I was like, and, and this sounds made up. It sounds arrogant, but I just knew man. I knew. I said, we're gonna go on the show. We're gonna be the best ones, and much music is gonna make us like their band. And, that's so
1: insane because, like you said, it wasn't even a slam dunk yet, Like, but you guys had your foot in the door, but you still had that feeling like, shit, like, no, this is it. Like,
0: we got it. That's it. all we
1: needed was a foot in the door.
0: I just knew it, man. All we those like, a chance. We went through so many band members being just a local band in Edmonton playing to no one, man, where all these guys are like, why do you have to practice every night? You guys take this too seriously. Like, we have girlfriends. We have jobs. Like, I don't want it. Like, And so people would just leave, and we were relentless, man. We were, like, very, very much a DIY punk rock band because that's the scene we grew up in. And so by the time I think we got that one just spark that we needed, we ran with it.
1: I was uh, just watching the promo of the season finale that you guys were on. Yeah. And it, it is just crazy because like the fact that, I mean, it's cool. It was really cool that you guys had uh, Gene Simmons as your guest. But like right after that, they literally just brought you into a room and said, here you go. That's, this is it. And so you signed something so
0: no okay. like that is no, that's, I, that's how they showed it oh dude and not not your fault because that's how the tv shows it right oh, like nice. they this performance like you guys better do well gene simmons is here we don't even know if we have a show for you guys dude we had already been signed for like two months because like <laughs> so anticlimactic well yeah and then, you guys at least obviously they made it look crazy for tv but oh, for man, you it was guys. so cool for us like oh, obviously yeah. like the tv cameras being there and everything kind of solidifying everything but in the real world you know, you have to have a lawyer look at your deal, you know, you have to have like stuff like that. So it was already, we were already signed. Um, but a lot of that show, like I, I do talk about disband a lot, obviously, but there's the first half up until we get the thumbs up from the judges. That is all 100% real, man. It gives me chills watching it because I see that kid, like just so hungry for this shot. It's all genuine, man. It is like stars in his eyes he just wants that like more than anything but then the second half I won't lie a lot of that is acting you can kind of if you go back and watch it now like you can kind of hear like the lines are not that genuine and all that stuff and it was set up to kind of tell the story of the band which was real but Mm -hmm. a lot of it you know it's like okay you guys say this you say this with real tension around this show like there's a point where it's like come out to Toronto I got you a show (laughs) and I'm like taking this phone call I'm like oh we're on our way and, dude, he's making the call on the cameras upstairs. <laughs> and I'm in the basement in Toronto in the That's house. Like, oh, we'll be right there.
1: I got to check to see if they have the full episodes on YouTube. Because I gotta,
0: I want to go back and watch it. Dude, it's on Apple Music. And like it's, it? it's, That's it's one sick. of my only, like, actual purchases that I have on Apple Music. And it's the disband episode. That's sick. Um,
1: So it's funny because mm-hmm. you guys were standing by me. But then it was Greg who told you to change it for copyright issues. And then you, change, then you change it to turn it up. Which didn't last long either. So where was the name "Turn It Up" from? Like, where'd you guys get that one from? Literally, even, like, "Turn Up" music.
0: Dude, I don't even know. I don't even think we had the song "Turn It Up" yet. I don't no, fact, you would,
1: you know. You wouldn't. Yeah, you technically. Well, I mean, you wouldn't have released it. I know that for sure because of. Uh, I didn't
0: release it, and it wasn't written. So, like "Summer Girl" for example, "Summer Girl," I wrote that when we were "Stand By Me" and still lived in Edmonton, like oh. at least a year and a half before the TV show. Um, but "Turn It Up" was one that we wrote with our now drummer Aaron. After we'd already moved out there, so I don't even know where turned Up came in. I thought we were like, we had so many bad band names when we signed our deal. Okay, like you know how I said we signed a few months before the the TVs caught it. Yeah, we were called City Kids, oh. which is the stupidest fucking name ever. <laughs> like it sounds like a charity, <laughs> you know, and like it's uh, very bad band name. So and and I'm always asked like, well, how'd you get serious? I don't even know, man. I think we'd just been brainstorming for so long with our manager, like we'd go to universal and like work with people there and be like, yeah, what's the name? And like, just, I don't know. There's a yeah, lot a yeah. And then
1: I read that a rep from universal told you guys to change your name again. And then that, and that's where you got stereos.
0: That's probably true. I honestly, yeah. like, a lot of that's murky to me, but yeah. the turn it up when I remember as soon as we changed it, we got like a not nothing official, but like a DM on again, MySpace from this like hardcore band from New York. And they're like, yo, we're already turn it up. Like we'll get our lawyer after you. And in retrospect, I bet you they did not have a lawyer no, but...
1: they're just trying to scare you guys, yeah well I mean, it might have worked they could have it <laughs> and, uh, when when you guys had your myspace because like i'm i'm twenty seven so like I just had it like when I was really, really young for a couple of years, yeah. you guys obviously did you have your music playing on your profile
0: oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that was yeah.
1: Interesting. that and your
0: top friends top friends, man, that was a big deal. I yeah. remember like <clears throat> not meaning to break up with the girl because i took her out of my top friends but it ended up being what broke us up for sure my space was uh it was a heck of a time man Impossible. i have an older
1: sister so she's the one who like got me on it and so like none of my friends because we are so little like had it so literally my top friends were her and then her friends cuz i didn't have any <laughs> i didn't I mean, none of my friends had it so i looked like a loser so i needed something
0: or you looked a, like a baller, man. That's
1: true. I just had all girls as my friends. Yeah. As a nine year old, all girls. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. Like Bieber. Yeah,
1: yeah I'll, I'll take that narrative. That's better. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh yeah, but we just talked about disband and then performing for Gene Simmons. I don't know if you were a KISS fan, but like that either way, that had been sick, no?
0: Yeah, it was really sick. Like our drummer is a big KISS fan, so he was stoked on it. I he was less starstruck by it and just kind of thought man this is another cool thing i think that one of the best things about myself and this band is also kind of one of the bad things and it's that we always were so hungry and believed like we never wanted to be the best band in edmonton we never Mm -hmm. wanted to be the best band in alberta or even in canada we always thought we had what it took to be the biggest band in the world right and you know obviously we didn't get there but meeting people like gene simmons like it never really phased me to be completely honest with you. I, I, I don't think I didn't appreciate it, like being like, oh man, that's cool. We met Gene Simmons today, like that's wild. But I don't think any. You party... weren't, yeah, sorry, you weren't up at night thinking about it. No, man, exactly. Like in any of the performances, the disband performs, any of the big, like make it or break it moments, um, I've never felt like the moment was too big for me. I always felt it's like, man, this is where I belong. Let's go. That's sweet. That's awesome. Cause I'd be the exact opposite. I'd be shitting my bands. I thought I would be, I think. But yeah. no, I think we'd. You fake it till you make it for so long that once you kind of get there, you're like, yeah, I've, man, I've pictured this moment in my dreams. And every time we've rehearsed in the basement, I pictured myself on a big stage anyway. So yeah. now it's time.
1: Hey, manifesting is a real thing, man. It certainly was with us. Yeah. Um, so like you said, it was a little anticlimactic for like the TV show. Why, or for you guys, with how you'd signed the deal. And then months later, it was announced that you signed the deal. Yeah. So within those few months, actually, after signing it, what, how crazy was that? Was it, like, a lot of different um, uh, ways you were being, like, pulled or taken? Like, how how did that work?
0: Yeah, it's, like, very much the calm before the storm, man. Like, it's, um, you know, we actually were doing this residency, it's called, at a place called Supermarket, downtown Toronto, where every Wednesday, I think it was, we would play to no one or if anyone wanted to show up. And the point is, obviously, to get your legs underneath you, play live. But also, Universal would be, like, this new signing we have they're playing once a week. So a and got people, anyone oh. like, you, know, you want to. And there'd be some Wednesdays where some people would show up, you know, we played to 20 people and there'd be some where none showed up and we played to no one. So there was a lot of that. It's just like a lot of inside baseball, man, like weird industry stuff, uh, obviously. So when Disband aired, our season finale, it had like commercials going for weeks, like watch the band, like blah, blah, blah. So a lot of people tuned into the show. And this is the genius, I would say, between Universal and Much Music is they had it set up so that at the end of our episode, the music video played and it said where you could buy it on iTunes. Ooh. And so, dude, like, you can't, you literally will never, ever, ever be able to create an impact like that again. Much that Much is Much.
1: so smart because at the time, Much Music was so big.
0: 100%, That's man. That's so insane. We ended up, um, we ended up being the first song to knock off I Got a Feeling by Black Eyed Peas from the number one spot on iTunes. For and like- that song was huge. And it set records for how long it was number one, and then we knocked it off. And it was like, it was fucked, man. It was crazy how quickly that all happened because of that. And so, sorry, to answer your question, though, the months preceding that was a lot of that planning, right? We shot the video. And it was funny because none of the extras knew who the fuck we were because we hadn't been announced yet. You know, yeah. they're, I guess we're in this video, and it was a pretty high-budget video, so it probably looked legit. But no one was like, Oh, it's a stereos video. They didn't know what the fuck stereos was. Where, where did you guys shoot it? Ah, uh, Scarborough Bluffs. No way, really. It does it not cold, look like the Bluffs. It was Coleman. So the episode aired on May 27th. I'll always remember that day.
1: But it was a Wednesday, I checked. Wednesday, May 27th. Okay, there you go.
0: I, I, I didn't even remember that part, but when we Which shot is the- an
1: odd day to, to air a season finale of a show.
0: I oh my gosh, dude. Of course it was a Wednesday. Because what I just told you, that um, supermarket thing we did on Wednesdays. You did that night? We did one that night, and no one was there. Oh. We those while the episode was being aired. And I remember getting off stage and having a whole bunch of fucking text messages. That's so sick. And then my friend Rob and I, or my friend Rob, who's in the band with me, my best friend, we went to a uh, show, a band called Strung Out that night in Toronto, one of our favorite like skate punk bands. And people started rec- recognizing us that night. And it, like two hours earlier, the episode had aired. And we we're like, what is going on? um so yeah it's funny like just not not your average wednesday i guess See,
1: that that's so good for you guys because like some most people wouldn't sit around the tv watching the episode just waiting for reactions but like you guys were still out there playing and like trying to get traction
0: yeah i don't think we enjoyed those wednesday night things at all to be honest with you no well,
1: at least you were doing them
0: we were because we like you know we're not going to tell our label we don't need to do this and i'll be
1: especially <laughs> like universal i guess
0: I'll be honest with you, we did not need to do it. And I think that's what made us such a good band is we were so, so dialed in live. Like, we didn't need these rehearsals. I, I don't blame them for being like, yeah, this is what we do with our new signings and stuff. But, like, yeah, we were ready to go. We had been doing it for so long at that
1: point. Yeah. Um. So, with the music video, you say it was shot at Bluffs, which I think is hilarious. But yes. I want to go over, like, you for a couple of years. The the hair and the fashion. <sighs> where where did that come from because like it was funny once you be you guys came back and i like i saw the band i'm like no way they have a different singer and then i realized no that's you like it looked you look completely different
0: yeah so man, where, where sure did I'm the saying.
1: hair and the fashion
0: come from i don't know man like oh so like okay so MySpace eh? yeah dude literally lack of a better like term like we we're in MySpace we grew up on that era of like fashion core we called it at the time i don't know like people call it emo now But what people call emo now was not what we knew as emo. No, emo kids when we when it was like an actual the new term were kind of like it was like almost like nerdy subsection of punk, but like which would be like
1: Tumblr in like like ten years ago. Those people would have been on Tumblr,
0: maybe yeah. Like Tumblr's even past my time. So like emo for like for us it was like fashion core, like heavy band, screamo, and things like that. Yeah. So we had that look, but then I got so obsessed with uh, hip-hop and r&b when i was like right, right before we kind of moved to toronto and got signed and that obviously shaped our sound for at least the first album and so then that's where the basketball jerseys and like sort of the hip-hop influence in my style came in um but i always kept this like screamo hair and so like for better or for worse man it made us so unbelievably recognizable yes good ways and bad ways like i'm not lying we got kicked out of malls because security couldn't handle the amount of like congestion that was like started by us just being there like i'd go shopping personally with my girlfriend and so many people would stop for photos which i always say yes to that it would create this like congestion in the mall and they be like you guys got to go rob and i went to a jays game one night and we went in the bar area like the 19 plus area and kids followed us in there same thing They're like you guys got to go like we, we don't we're not Set up for this. And so that's we were read up famous because of this TV show. Yeah. But I think the long black hair definitely made it that much more recognizable. Yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by CG Electric. If there's one thing I'm not good at, I mean one of many, it's uh dealing with any electrical at my house, besides maybe using the light switch. But that's where CG Electric comes in. Whether it be both residential or commercial, CG Electric is your go-to. You can find them on Google just by searching CG Electric as well as Instagram at CG underscore electric underscore company. Again, find them on Google by searching CG Electric and on Instagram at CG underscore electric underscore company let them know that quinn sent you um i remember like w- uh, when this song came out like i said it was grade seven going into grade like the summer going into grade eight i remember it literally on every radio station i, I used to listen to, it was like 92 kiss 99.9 version radio 104.5 chum like and they played it non-stop so like right after the release like obviously like you said like even that night it was like started to get crazy the like next like week slash months what, what what like happened with you guys? Like you guys were obviously planning your tour. you would have been coming out with your uh, or prepping your album that came out a few months later. So like, what was that like those next little bit?
0: It was like a whirlwind, man. So we started getting uh, bookings right away, um, which is not normal. Now I've learned like you get booked for summer festivals, man, at least six months out, usually. Wow. And I know that was the case back then, but they were trying to just fit us in. so like as soon as the song popped off, our agents were getting calls right away. It's like we want to like add them last minute and all this stuff. So a lot of shows. We ended up like in that same first summer, man. Before our album ever even came out, we opened for Black Eyed Peas and we opened for Katy Perry, um, like Bud Stage. The other one was in Montreal, like huge. That's so stuff.
1: insane, dude. So insane. And right you right can you can pick two bigger artists at the time to perform with Katy Perry. I don't think you. Like she, that, that was like a couple, I think that was like maybe a year after like I Kiss a Girl came out. So she like blew up. And then obviously black
0: Eyed Peas. Probably two black, black IPs IPs Peas at the time. Yeah, they were m- like yeah. big. So we were getting huge shows. We were working on the album. Um I'm trying like it basically became like work mode now, full time. And it was all we had ever dude, shooting videos. Like we got sent to Miami to shoot a video for our second video. Um or sorry our second single. And it yeah, it just life became Full time musicians, and it brought probably some of the best times of my life. And you know, like it was a non- <laughs> it was a non-stop party. That is so sick. Two years. Oh.
1: Yeah. Um, I then the second single was "Turn It Up," right?
0: Uh second single was "Throw Your Hands Up."
1: Oh, okay. Throw, then, throw, throw your hands up. Yeah.
0: Uh, "Turn It Up" was the next one. Actually.
1: Right. Um. So then you guys had the album come out in October of that year. Yep. Um. And then obviously, um, "Throw Your Hands Up" was on it, and then. It what was it three months later four months later it was
0: certified gold yeah I know the album went gold I don't know how long it took I but... think it was
1: January 2010 I read so yeah like literally wow. three three months later it was forty thousand uh, copies sold yeah that's <laughs> that's... Isn't that, that's nuts so and then you guys started touring in October sorry November of 2009 and then I saw and we don't have to get into the band specifically but it's just like... like the name at the time the fact that you guys you guys were, went on tour with Headley
0: oh right yeah so Wait, that was in 2010 um when about march april 2010
1: and then with um i think right. fifi fifi dobson Phoebe dobson
0: dobson, dobson, drive and boys like girls that's so sweet um well okay so i'll say this it was incredible for me as uh like man we all start as kids right and so i started we started playing nhl arenas on that tour we started doing okay. like the arena tour you know the full Experience that is playing in an arena, and that is something that I will, you know, you can never take from me. And like that's that's where it starts hitting you, where it's like, man, I remember being, you know, a kid thinking about like just playing, dude. Again, we grew up in the punk rock scene. To me, it was to headline the Rev, which turned into Starlight in Edmonton. You know, right. I was like, oh god, what if we play there? And now we're playing arenas, full on, and they all know your songs; they know every word to all your songs, and so that was amazing. um And yeah, and you know what's funny, though, is, like, at that time, I get asked a lot how that tour was, and we didn't really, I don't know, again, for better or worse, we didn't really hang out with the other bands. I didn't really see anything that other bands got up to, but the most fun we had on a tour, I would say, for me personally, was we did an American tour um, right before that. Okay. And nobody knew who we were, but we were already big in Canada. We kind of started making some money, and it was just, like, su- and it was summer. It was May to... Uh, I don't even know, J- June, July, but it was like a month and a half in the States. And it was, dude, it was like summer vacation with your best friends. Like you're in well, a new I think, city. Yeah, ever.
1: I, I was just going to say, I feel like you guys probably had more fun on that one because it was literally just your group of guys. And like, obviously with the other one, it was so many other names. It wasn't like, it, it was hard to focus on just you guys. Right. And, or for you guys just to focus on each other because there, there was so much else going on. I know you said you didn't really hang out with the rest of the group, but like, it was still like, that presence was there or like that that was just like around knowing that how many groups were together
0: yeah and it was less about like the spotlight and more like just like some breathing room like in canada things were like so intense right like at the venue like obviously like just everywhere you go people are recognizing you and things like that which obviously dude is like the best thing in the world so i'm not complaining about that but then when you have this experience in canada you're big and then you go in the states and you can just like you're the you're the cool band on the tour because that's another thing man is that You know, I joke about it now, but we were the band that the girlfriends would drag their boyfriends to and like the guys weren't feeling us, right? It was all girls who loved us and like whatever. We go to the states, we're the fucking cool band where they're like, I've never heard of you guys. What is this? Like, and you know, we had the auto-tuned punk rock mixed sound, and people were like blown away. They're like, Ah, you guys are you guys are the coolest band here. We'd play six songs a night, and then we could go like go out and party in every city. You know what I mean? Because you're playing like a shorter set, and like you can't really do that if you're doing a headlining set, you gotta be you know, healthy, ready to go. It takes a lot out of you. You're playing late. And so like, again, a long winded way of describing it. But our American tour for me was just like, again, it was summer vacation and it was incredible. That is
1: so sick. Was there one city that like, uh, stands out among the rest for that tour?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And it still does. It's one of my favorite places in the world new Orleans, man. Ooh, I've never okay. been there, and we first went there on tour and <laughs> our guitar player, Rob got like, married in vegas like a month before so we never had a chance to do like a bachelor party so we did it there it was just one of the wildest and like best nights of my life for sure and so i've gone to new orleans now like seven times i love really oh yeah it's it's six that is all
1: and that's a good place to basically have like an impromptu uh bachelor party
0: it sure is and the best part is that rob had was because it was his bachelor party he was given way too much to drink way too fast and so he actually bailed on the party like an hour and a half in
1: no <laughs> yeah, I'm that I'm that guy with my friends that's literally me like I I start to drink like way too quick because it's not like let's say I'm drinking I'm like nah I'm not that drunk yet like it's taking too long so I drink more and then I'm like yeah I'm gone
0: buddy that's exactly like I actually don't drink anymore neither does Rob Miles so like we're old now
1: really but, but you guys uh, don't drink at all like completely
0: at all man how I long like,
1: how long have you gone no drinking
0: two years for me almost four years for Rob Miles in our band has never had a drink he's straight edge whoa um, and so now like we still have like wine and I want to say vodka on our rider and that's all for our drummer now. Gets really? <laughs> yeah.
1: Damn. What's, uh, like back when you guys were drinking or if, even if it wasn't alcohol, what, what's been like the weirdest thing you guys have had on your rider?
0: Well, we always have socks on the rider and socks. so socks and it sounds weird, but it actually a is awesome because especially if you're on tour, you'll, you can only do laundry for so, like uh, so often. True. But then two, it's a very good indicator of, and promoters, like a good promoter will actually bring this up to us. They'll say, I know what you're doing with the socks. And what it is, is if they have socks on the rider, you know that they've taken care of everything else on the rider. Cause it's so small and like down the list that it's a good indicator if they're paying attention and got your full rider. Mm. Because that and- happens all the time. I'd say it's rare. More often than not, you don't get your full rider. Did you guys come up with that on your own, the sock thing, or did you hear from somebody else? it Was Aaron's idea or drummer, man? I'd have to ask him. Yeah. But I it was it. genius. And remember it back in the day, we'd always be stoked when we saw socks. We're like, okay, they took care of us tonight.
1: That's yeah. sick. So have you have you ever had anything on there that like you felt like I mean important might not be the right word, but like you're like, you guys really wanted it wasn't on there and you ever yeah, brought it so up?
0: This is like such another classic indication. So when we first got a rider and yeah. our yeah. manager, like, guys, rider time, like you guys can do this, and we're like, Oh my god, we get a rider. We started going nuts, man. So much alcohol. Um, and like I forget a limit
1: on like how much stuff you could ask for. I mean, I guess you could ask for whatever it doesn't, it doesn't mean they're gonna give
0: it all to you. You can ask for whatever, man. And if you're a big band, they better do it. Because, like, here's the true. other thing I think rider's vanity, it's not you're usually not leaving the venue that day because your your entire life is at the venue, or you're going to do radio interviews. Like, it's very quick. You need that rider to eat and survive off that day. Oh so, true. Honestly, it's a pretty important thing. Now, I will say, so I think we had like Subway, I think we had Bunch of alcohol. We had all these like candy, and it took one tour. One tour for us to be like, This is dumb. You need your rider to be healthy food and stuff that you can actually like feel good about eating every day. Because if you're on tour, every, like, dude, other than Real. days off, when you're playing a month, you maybe have four or five days off out of that month. So every other day, there's a high chance that your only like meals are going to come from that ride. on the rider. So you don't want a ton of fucking bread and like. <laughs> booze and all that stuff man and it's like you want it to be a little bit better for you
1: would you could you change your do you change your rider depending on the
0: venue no you usually submit it in advance for the i mean our tour if it was a big deal halfway through the tour you're like yo we got to fix this you may you probably could right but like, the 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 way the tour gets booked is all kind of at once and finalized and then you announce it right like it's months of work in advance True. and so your agent is giving the rider as part of your booking because it's not, it's a sizable cost, right? The so switch it up last minute would probably be a weird move.
1: Uh, it's funny when you were saying about the sock thing and they said like, Hey, like we know what you're doing. I thought you're going to make like saying like you guys were going to be like jerking off with the socks or
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I mean, I can't speak for the other guys. Yeah. yeah but you
1: weren't Uh tour of us uh, just speaking of tour, like how crazy do those get? Like just like chilling on those for like, weeks to like uh, at least months or months
0: on end yeah i mean it's a cool experience man but like the best part about the bus is that you wake up at the venue the next day so true you know you wake up and you're in thunder bay and you just did a like you know 10 hour plus drive whatever and you don't know no one has to worry about it right, right? So that is a benefit i will say this i personally and maybe again this is just like our punk punk rock roots or whatever is on other tours we would do van and hotels and i prefer that because you do the long drives which sucks but you get a bed you get showers every single day true
1: is there not a shower on the on a tour bus
0: um some have them but like you're not using a lot of the water especially when you're like with a bunch of other like people in the same space so for me i preferred the hotels and the van because then you know it's two guys in a room as opposed to like whatever crew and like ten plus people on the bus. Like I, I don't mind the bus, but yeah I like the van and hotel a little bit. Especially sharing
1: a bathroom with that many guys. Dude, exactly.
0: It's yeah. just like it's like you get day rooms usually I'm trying to remember how often. Maybe once every three, four days we'd get a day room where it's like one hotel room. Yeah. And that way you park the bus outside and everyone can kinda use the shower if you need it in that room and stuff like Oh that. true. Um I don't know. I still I'm still more of a of a van and, hotel
1: van, van and hotel yeah i i would definitely be the same um so it was i think correct me if i'm wrong uh early winter or sorry i guess it'd be late winter uh slash spring 2011 you guys were going on your last tour around that time like it would end up being being one of your last tours and then aaron broke his hand during the yeah. tour yeah so how, how far in the tour did you guys get before he broke his hand
0: Oh, man, it's tough to say. I, I think it was towards the end. I okay, think we done most is. of our West shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming back to me. So I think we played most of our shows out West. Then we hit uh, – we didn't do BC, though, because there was a gnarly, like, snowstorm. So we just did Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. Anyways, then we we're doing the last leg of Ontario. I think we had maybe two, three shows left, and then he broke his finger. I think it was just a finger. What, did, then- he,
1: how, what did he do? How did he break it? I don't even know, man. In... No,
0: no, it was during our set. Like, oh, so I don't know, like, how, what he did. If it was a symbol, a stick, it was hitting. I remember Ooh. it was, like, towards the end of our set. So it was good timing for that set. But we couldn't do an encore, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, we had to, like, cancel a couple shows, I want to say. And then, thankfully, he healed up in time. And then we had our East Coast shows on a separate leg. And East Coast shows always go off. So we were still oh, yeah. able to do those. Which That's was, sweet.
1: So then yeah. after the East Coast shows um you guys take a break you guys break up right
0: we broke up like early 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 2012
1: and why did you guys what happened what was it was it like a be- problems between you guys or just like as a band collectively you said like we need to take a break
0: man it's it's tough to have just one answer for that it's one thing like i do regret because i think we started to feel tension. So if you were backwards, our second album didn't do as well as the first hmm. um, for a million reasons. It sh- it was rushed. It shouldn't have come out when it did. The label wanted to like push something out quickly. And then when stuff starts not doing as well, inherently there's a trickle down. It come, you know, you start feeling it from maybe they don't say it from the label, but there's just like the way they're talking is different. Your manager talks to you different then you talk to each other different. Just, Cause you guys are also stressed out as well too. Yeah, man. And we all have egos too. And so you start thinking, well, I didn't do this wrong. Who did it wrong and blah, blah, blah. And so to answer your question, man, I think the industry got us to a point where we just weren't happy. And like, it's just such a like, you know, it's such a tough thing to quantify what's happiness, but I just think we were just not happy. And so what we should have done, in my opinion, is taken a break, gone on vacation. We had money. We could have just done other things and then come back, but we didn't, we broke up. We're, you know, we're saying different. And so Rob, Dan, and I, who started Stereos, started our own other band. And we thought, let's get back to our roots, man. Let's do something like just the three of us. And I think it was premature. I don't think it was the right call. Yeah. And, you know, Stereos was not a band as a result for like eight years because of that. That's and insane.
1: So, so when you guys broke up, you, were all, you all said to each other, this is like, as far as you guys knew, it was it for good. Yep, that was it. We would never hear from the Stereos again. Yeah,
0: and there's a few years there where I even thought like, I was almost embarrassed about saying like stereos. I was like, Oh yeah, that boy band, you know, like almost as though no way silly thing. And which is so crazy to me now because I'm so fucking proud of that band and the fact that like, obviously I'm jumping time-wise, but now I'm still able to do it and in a meaningful way because of what those songs either meant to people or still like do mean to people. And so, yeah, it was, it was a very weird time, man. And I think I would say like, that is the music industry and it it'll get you if you're not careful and it got when
1: us. you guys, sorry, uh, when you guys came out the second album and then also towards the end before you guys broke up, were, was it still universal you're with? Yep. Yeah. You were still so that that whole time you were with universal. Yes. Okay. Got you. So is that a conversation you have to have with them? And, and like, you have to say, Hey, just so you guys know, like we're done now.
0: Uh ah, yes and no. <laughs> so the way it went down, is we had already, it's, oh man, it's so like complicated. Basically though, when you sign your first deal, right? We got an option, I think a five album deal. And what that means is in that first deal, it spells out the terms for every subsequent album. Now, if I'm going to try and make this simple and easy to follow. First album does well. So we've triggered the second album. We get all the terms laid out in the first. Second album doesn't do well. So then they come back to the table and say, we don't want to give you what we said we were going to give you for a third album. We want to renegotiate because, you know, the band stock isn't what the band stock was when we first signed you. And so what we said, and we'd already had a lawyer kind of like helping us through this process. And they're saying, you can take that, you can negotiate, or you can say, no, we want that third album one you signed for, or we're free agents. And that's what we did. Cause we knew they were going to say no. But so then, by the time and then we started a completely brand new band.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's way. Way. I was gonna say that, that that doesn't sound like something that they're allowed really to do.
0: They hey, they they can ask you to renegotiate. It's like think about sports, man, where they can say, Listen, your play has completely fallen off. If you want to stay with this team to make it work with the cap, you gotta take less. And a lot of guys say, I'm not taking less. And they want to get cut so they can be a free right, agent. Ya, and so, yeah, And so honestly, it's the exact same thing. Interesting. Okay.
1: So when you guys um, started the, the new band, was it literally like, what was the time frame between being down with stereos? Because you said it was quick.
0: Well, we were already, yeah, we we're kind of behind the scenes planning on having this new band. So when we broke up oh. with stereos in 2012, I think we at first maybe entertained the idea that the three of us would still be stereos but just with like only the three of us and probably a new sound. And then quickly we found a label who was interested. And I, w- I have a lot of, um, you know, gratitude for uh, the guy who ran the label, Jonathan at 604. He's kind of a cool, he's an interesting character. Anyways, he helped us be like, listen, it's going to be a new band, new sound, and I'll help you get off your deal with universal. And he did. So, nice. Yeah. What was, what was the band called? It's called I 65. We recorded a full album, and only two songs were ever released. It didn't what do anything. Yeah, so was, the other
1: ones will never see light of day. I'm assuming.
0: Oh, I would be surprised. Yeah, I'd be surprised. There's yeah. some good stuff there, but yeah. You know, How
1: know. long uh, were you guys? Was that band together?
0: <sighs> a year and a half, maybe two years, maybe. I would be oh, surprised.
1: Okay, so then from let, let's say 2014 or 2015. From 2015 until you guys announcing your 10 year reunion show in 2019, what were you doing?
0: Holy fuck, dude. That's, it's, uh,
1: was it a lot of nothing or a lot of like a lot of just doing stuff?
0: Dude, I got married. I was settling (laughs) down. I went back to school for HR, which is insane to me because I'm the last person like who likes, (laughs) you know, dude. I, I actually, I'm thankful for the opportunity because I got a job at a very good company, great benefits, a healthcare company. But then you'd sit down at the table and people like, oh, HR's here. Can't tell jokes. Like they were joking with me. Like we got along. But then in my head, I'm like, holy fuck. Like if you only knew, like I don't care about bad jokes. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm just on like, this guy now. Yeah. And it was just Man. like, I was kind of chasing, not chasing, but like it felt inevitable that now I need to grow up, move on, get security, get the like, you know, settle down, have a family and all those things are such incredible things that that's what you really want. Holy shit, though, dude. That's not what I want. No. And so, Damn. you know, it took, uh, honestly, it was the reunion shows. I remember planning that reunion show from the cubicle I was working HR in. And it was like, you know, you're only going to get your 10-year re- Like, that date is only going to come once. You can't, if you miss it, then it's 11 years, and that's a dumb number. No. So, we got to, you know, we got to do this. And huh. when we did the reunion show, I was still working HR, and it sold out. And then I came back to Edmonton. We did an Edmonton reunion. That one sold out too. That one sold out too. And I was like, "All right, <clears throat> we got to do this. There's something here."
1: When you're doing HR, would you ever have like people that would like come up to you and be like, "Oh my god, like I used to love stereo so much, like anything like that?"
0: A couple. I would. I never ever would tell anyone about but it. That's
1: what you said. Yeah, because you were saying that you were like embarrassed. You didn't want. At to talk
0: that point, about I was it. less embarrassed. But at that point, like I had worked different jobs and stuff, man, and like then I would see like. Like I would work, I was working a job at one point selling suits, like expensive suits. And the guys there working there were like younger than me, but they were so cool. I was like, these guys rule. And then when they found out about the band, they're like, oh my God, dude, like you were the best. Like all we jammed you at like every party. We loved you. I was like, what? I didn't know like cool people liked us. Yeah. And then it turns out like, and then I started feeling a little bit better about what Stereos was to people.
1: So when you're sitting in the cubicle, you're like, okay, like like what you said, this is only going to come by one time. It has to happen then. Were yeah. you already in contact with the rest of the guys? like, Or all along, were you all guys always like, maybe, or it could happen?
0: So Dan, Rob, and I, again, the three of us that started a, started the band, have always been best friends. So even in that period, we were all super tight. We were in I-65 together. Then when there was no music, we were still best friends. We'd still hang out. Um, and so we were always kind of brainstorming. And I knew it wasn't going to take much convincing for the other guys. Um, just because, like, why not? And so man, once it became a possi- a possibility to do this reunion show, I started doing all the work I had for the week on Monday. And then Tuesday through Friday, I would spend my entire time hiding my phone and just planning this show. That like I was so doing, sick. yeah, massive time theft. That's <laughs> hilarious.
1: Um, So, I mean, it's funny because uh, from when you guys broke up to when you came back, a lot of things changed social media wise. So yeah, when you guys announced that, march saying like hey you got we're gonna be coming back and we're gonna be first performing the rec room then we're gonna be in edmonton like did you guys have to like create a new instagram and all that stuff or did you guys have the same the old one like and when you and then when you announced it what was it like people say holy shit they're back
0: yeah it was a great 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 response when we announced it um but good question man pretty sure we had a an instagram but i don't know who was running it It just lying around yeah, maybe Miles, our guitar player. He's really good at the social media stuff. Um, yeah. Also, Miles, like, I don't think that guy ever, ever felt the way I felt about it, like, being embarrassed about the band. I think he always loved – he knew what we had created. And so Miles is he's, – he's a real one. He always had that. I think he was probably waiting for us to call him. Like, I, I don't think he took any convincing with that. So he probably really? – the social media but good question man like yeah you know twitter whatever like Spotify. like i don't even that's know what, yeah
1: exactly it's like it's i'm not even joking it's like when people come out of jail and like life's different that's literally how it was for you guys like wh- when you guys were out promoting on myspace and stuff compared to when you came back it, everything was so different
0: 100 different man like platforms that didn't Snapchat. exist, Snapchat exist- my
1: might, might, wasn't
0: even a thing when you guys were done 100 percent Dude, it's when so Instagram weird. started, I think it was already like towards the end of stereos. Like it, it's weird yeah. time we were we were around. The
1: fine had come and
0: gone. That that
1: during that span, 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so sweet. This episode is brought to you by Douglas Works. Douglas Works is a full service lawn, landscape, and property maintenance company. From lawn care to landscape design and install the gardens, tree removal, excavating, grading, junk removal, window cleaning, and so much more. Almost anything outside, they've got you covered. As the leaves turn, they're gearing up for fall cleanups and snow removal. You can call, text, or email to book your call service today. That's 705-868-1981 or DouglasWorks87 at gmail.com. Once again, you can call, text, or email to book your call services. 705-868-1981 or DouglasWorks eighty-seven at gmail.com. Um, so that show at the rec room first, yeah. like w- like what was that like? Just the feeling of being back up there with all the guys. Like were were, were you nervous that like I know you guys got a good reaction online, but like and, and it sold out, but like other like fans that weren't going, were you guys scared of getting like a reaction that like it wasn't gonna be like the same?
0: No, man, I don't think we thought about any of that. Like we were fully prepared that 200 people might show up. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like We had any expectations. It was more for ourselves, man, because we went out so abruptly. We went out without warning. We went out um, with some, like, I would say some hard feelings between different members because not everyone wanted to even break up. You know what I mean? And so this was more for us, honestly, than anyone else. To be like, let's get back together and go out on our own, like, terms. Like, you never know what this is going to, like, what will happen. And Mm -hmm. so I don't think I had any worry about anything. And then I've always said, like, when you find out a show is sold out before the show happens you already know it's going to be a good show. It's impossible. You're already fired up. Yeah. Like everyone is there to see you and they're excited about it. And you don't have to worry about playing to a half full room. You know, you already know this is going to be a good one.
1: And the rec room is a good place to go. Cause I I, I, I love that place. That's sick.
0: It was a good venue. I actually really yeah. loved it. Yeah.
1: yeah and then, uh, so um, the span between doing the Toronto show and then doing the Edmonton, it was like, I think about two months. What, what do you guys do in that time from May to August? Band wise, were you guys writing songs and
0: recording songs and stuff? I started writing, um, but I don't know if I had even sent anything to the band yet. I had yeah. the first song I started writing after I think it was after Edmonton, even was this song called Sunset Gold, which was the first one we put out as a new band. Um, Sweet. and so yeah, I think it took the second show for it to kickstart me being like, okay, I'm doing this again, and we're back.
1: And then, so I think it was uh October, you guys said, hey, we're we're coming back. So when when you guys did the shows, the reunion ones, was it already planned, hey, we are going to come back, like, between the you guys? Like, you knew? No. It was exactly. just going to be the reunion shows. That was it.
0: Yeah. It wasn't until after Edmonton. The second True. one. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Was it Take- one
1: of you that brought up, hey, like, maybe we should just come back? Or was it, like, as a group, we're like, no, we know?
0: Ah, uh, I don't know. Like, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't probably already planning it in my head to come back. In the cubicle. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, um yeah, it was probably me, but I honestly don't remember. Also, like b- in, before that, Rob and I, just Rob and myself, with some other guys from Edmonton, started a pop punk band. And so we'd already started like playing music again. And it was a lot of fun, but it was like really, really small crowds. Like, you know what I mean? And so that's where I was like, okay, I know I love playing music, but I'm not going to lie. I don't like playing to no one. I don't like playing like, you know, super small venues where no one shows up. So sure. I was like, okay. There's there's a solution here. I have a band that can play to a lot of people.
1: It's funny that you mentioned like playing to small people because um, or small groups, because comedians, when they have new jokes, they go to random places that people that might not have heard of practice their jokes. So I I was always gonna ask, but I guess the answer is no. Is for musicians, you specifically have, like go into like a smaller venue and trying new music. Is that is that a weird concept?
0: Not at all. I think that's very similar to what I was describing with you. Uh, at the supermarket in Toronto, when we we're on those right. Wednesdays. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that was more for. I think it's less about trying how new songs are going to be received, and more about just practicing the live show. True, and, and and like honestly,
1: how you're going to do live show? Because obviously, like the the performance itself is one of the most important parts, right? So like, oh, you, yeah. you you can put on a completely different performance from one show to another with the same music. Right?
0: 100. So, yeah. Cool.
1: yeah, that's sweet. So um coming out with the music uh in early 2020 i mean one it was a big deal you guys were coming out with new music again two a global pandemic happened right right around ish like
0: i think it was two like weeks yeah two weeks later, everything got locked down
1: <clears throat> right so, so what was that like for you guys because i'm sure you're already planning shows and everything
0: it was really tough man i won't yeah. lie it was really yeah. tough because we felt like we had got all this momentum. We started getting like radio ads right away and it felt like we were going to be able to kind of just like jump right back in where we left off. And of course that was not the case in the next 2 years, man. Everything. And that's where like I look back now and I'm like, "Oh my god, like we started this let's say 2020 essentially with that song and it's 2023 in a bit now." we that's three years that we've been back and two of them were a pandemic where there were no shows and we couldn't do anything like, holy shit. We've been able to accomplish quite a bit in that amount of time.
1: That's insane. It literally just shows like how how much your fans like never really left.
0: You're totally right, man. And a lot of it comes down to stereos fans and like, they are wild, man. They believed in this band more than we did a hundred percent, especially like in those years where we we were gone. And when we did those reunion shows and now when we do shows, um man it's it's beautiful like you see we we talked to so many people who are just like kids you know they're junior high kids and they'll say like they had no friends but then they met friends from stereo shows that they would go to in junior high and now they're each other's like godparents for their kids and like dude it's messed up like how much this band meant to people and i had no idea because for whatever reason this thing that we built and worked so hard to build we let it go and you know all i can do now is try and never let that happen again but it's a it's it's beautiful man i love That's awesome and base has done for us for sure
1: i was um <clears throat> talking with my fiance earlier about how, be, how i was gonna be talking to you tonight and i was showing her some like your guys new music and i showed her glory days that has to be one of my favorite
0: songs of yours nice i, I love
1: that it, and i love the music video. the music video is really cool
0: because it's so simple so simple man and that's exactly how we wanted it like just like the song is itself is simple yeah and the song itself makes fun of ourselves in a way where basically it's about us (laughs) man if you ask any girlfriend we've ever had any significant other in any way when we're all back together in the same room even in the years where there was no stereos was not a band we are so annoying all we do is talk about oh remember that time you did this and this and that city and then rob has this crazy memory he's like no it was actually that city but then the next day we did this like he remembers everything and it's so annoying so we're basically making fun of ourselves like reliving our glory days but it's like man that's awesome and i love it yeah. and so i love that song i'm I glad you. Can see it.
1: all right well so we're gonna fast forward obviously to today so as of like right now stereos is still obviously releasing new music and stuff. So like tour wise, music wise, the next like months to like, let's say year, what, what's your guys plan? Like what's going on?
0: A lot of music um, and a lot of collaborations. I'm kind of realizing how it works nowadays, especially with the way Spotify works. Um, Getting collabs together to kind of put stuff out to different fan bases um, is kind of the move. And so we're working on some collaborations right now, which I'm really excited about. And honestly, that's like, especially in like the hip hop world, that's how they've always done it. Yeah. Um, And so a lot of new music. And then, you know, I would say like, just we're trying to get more and more shows all the time. And so, um, you know, hopefully next summer is a busy one, but in the, in the interim, I think, you know, the one way to make winter less shitty for me is to, just create. And so hopefully recording more, but we're already working on some new stuff too. Some new I music.
1: Mean, you couldn't pick a better place to stay just secluded in your room, seeing yeah. as it's freezing outside and just sitting there and just writing. Cause yeah, cause those Edmonton uh, winters aren't, aren't, uh, aren't a joke.
0: I mean, I love Edmonton. I will defend it. Like I moved away. Obviously when we moved to Toronto, I've lived in Calgary, I've lived in like nice cities and with a lot going on. And I still, to this day, I love Edmonton, but the winters fucking suck. Yeah. And it's more every year. Like, I don't get used to it. I hate it. <laughs> would you it's guys fun. ever consider,
1: like, moving somewhere else for good? Or do you think, like, Edmonton's the, it, that's it?
0: Maybe. I don't know, man. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, like, so two of our members still live in Toronto. It's just two of us out here, two in Toronto.
1: Weird. So how did, how, so how do you, do you guys have to schedule, obviously, recordings a lot, far ahead of time?
0: Oh, yeah. And, like, we rehearse now, I would say two, three times a year when we all get together. Like, we know a lot of those old songs. If there's new ones, we got to learn them. But um it yeah, we're we're pros, so we've been able to kind of pick it up uh with just like a few rehearsals here and there. But um, you know, ideally we get busier and busier, and then there will be more rehearsals, more live shows, That's and everything. Awesome.
1: Uh before I let you go, one more thing. Have you ever had like uh I mean I'm sure you have, but one specific time where you do you ever go blank and like forget a lyric or like lyrics at all?
0: Dude, yeah, and like time. I did it once in the biggest spot you could ever do it. And so I'll tell this story. We uh, did a tour. So the American tour is telling you about, we were opening for Jeffrey star. No. And, <laughs> yeah, dude, he's like a makeup influencer. He was actually fucking cool. He was very nice to us. Um, and he had some sort of connection to Akon. I want to say he was like going to sign to con live. Maybe he even did. I don't know. But for whatever reason, Akon found out about us. And so our bassist Dan gets a phone call one day from Akon. And he's like, Hey, I love your album. I want to bring you guys down. And Dan's like, yeah, right. He's like, no, no, no. Like, I just want to have permission from the band. Can I talk to Randy Lennox, who was the head of universal Canada at that time? We're like, sure. And it was legit. And that call happened. And one week later, we're in LA about to play for Akon to like sign to con live. And we did it. And the cliche is LA traffic, right? So all of our gear gets stuck in LA la traffic so we have none of the stuff we usually have whether it be like our samples because we play obviously to like a bunch of keyboards and stuff so we got a raw dog this dude like just guitar bass drums vocals and it's going well and then the song body move we're playing that one and i just fucked up the timing and instead of saying i want to see that body move i say bah like a fucking sheep and then the band kind of comes in clumsily, so i fucked up he still said um He's At the end of it, he's like, yeah, there's a little mess up there, but welcome to the Conlat family, which was sick. Um, just like everything else in music, it didn't happen because of politics and record uh, deals and stuff. But uh. I forgot a big, big lyric in a big, big spot. Yeah, it screwed me up. <laughs> I, I, I would think that's probably not what did it, but I, I like how he brought it up, dude.
1: Of course, he had to mention it.
0: Oh dude, like I don't blame him at all. Yeah. It is pretty pretty conspicuous. Yeah. <laughs> that
1: that's hilarious. Well, Pat, I just re- really really want to thank you for coming on here. It was really cool. The grade 7 in me is fired up that I was able to talk to you. The 27-year-old is fired up I was able to talk to you. So, I really appreciate you coming on here and uh yeah, it, it's it's been awesome.
0: Man, thank you so much for pumping my tires a little bit. Makes me feel good about myself and uh if we ever play close to you, we'll uh let me know. We'll toss you on guest list. Have you yeah. out- I appreciate that. All right, Pat. I'll talk to you later. i Peace.
1: And that was the Bar Show.